Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Fearful UK Show. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK show. On today's show I'm joined by Najee Karar, Brian Davis and Gareth Ellis to review the draft. Good evening guys. Good evening. Evening. So after our failed attempt at live streaming a mock draft on the night of the first (laughs) round, I'm hoping that nothing goes wrong tonight. Um, I know know what the issue was with the live streaming so we'll give that a go later on in the uh, Uh, But I think we'll get that sorted, no problem. Okay, as with most drafts, fan opinions, expectations, very rarely align to front office actions. And this year's draft followed that trend at the weekend. In a first for the NFL, the draft was conducted virtually due to COVID-19. And it wasn't the car crash that it could have been. In fact, the majority of teams were actually very impressed with the format. And I know a few people have turned around and said, well, maybe this should be the format going forward. Okay, so let's discuss what happened from a 49er perspective with the draft and the moves Lynch made. We started off with pick 13. And on the preview show, we were split over what should happen at the pick regarding both taking a position or a player if a certain player was available. So first on the hot seat is Najee. What did you make of the trade with the books and the subsequent pick of Kinlaw out of South Carolina at pick 14? I uh, love the trade. Um, I think it's, uh, once again, John Lynch's mind games and, and the whole uh, Joe Staley episode. Uh, the fact that nobody knew whether he was going to retire or not, I think... Um, helped us doing that trade because they they went up and got an offensive uh, lineman so they might they might have thought that we would pick one so love the trade obviously we needed more picks i think that was one of the the thing we're trying to do in this draft and i think we we all said in in a preview saying we need more picks so really happy with that and and then what what i think about the pick is um i I think it's a great pick but uh, not because of what i thought previous prior to the draft but, but what they said about it they had him uh, they had Javon Kinlow really really high um, maybe even top of their board and, and they managed to get him at 14 so I, I mean you know I'm going to trust what they do they've, they've been doing an amazing job in the past you know four years now and so so really happy if uh, it sounds like they would have been second they would have taken him so so getting him at 14 is, is a good pick Thoughts Brian? Yes, it's a great trade, isn't it? You, you move one place down, you pick up an extra pick. It, it's pretty much just common sense, isn't it? Especially when you know the team moving up aren't taking your man. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, like I say, in terms of the trade, it's, uh, you know, it's a fantastic bit of business. And it's, uh, it, you know, like I say, it really is just common sense to do it. If you've got that agreement that the, the team coming up aren't going to snaffle the man that you want. Uh, and what did you think about the actual pick of Kinlaw? It's not surprising, is it? If if you know our recent history, um, at the time I was probably a little underwhelmed by it. To be honest, um, I was kind of torn 
and I was maybe not torn. I, I wanted the sexier pick of a wide receiver, one of those sort of big three type guys at the time. And there seemed to be a sort of a bit of a split of opinion, both in the fan base and in articles that you kind of found online with regard to Kinlaw. But, you know, it wasn't a sexy pick. And, and we've gone down this route before. We've had, we've obviously lost a, a big kingpin in our defensive line. If you look at the way that the draft planned out or panned out, we probably took one of the top two interior defensive linemen based on what you know, what what I've certainly read anyway, and probably what the rest of us have, have read. And you've probably still got one of the top five wide receivers. If it, if we'd have flipped it on its head and gone for maybe one of the supposed top three wide receivers, and then you come down to pick thirty one or twenty five or however that would have played out, possibly even round two you may not even be getting you know one of those top positions up, up on on the defensive line later in round 1 or early in round 2 but it was a shame to see both Judy and Lamb slide past us um and I really did sort of like a lot of the stuff that I read about um funnily enough for the guy that we actually traded down for and that was worths so uh, and knowing what we know now that maybe could have panned out a lot differently yeah Gareth did this pick blindside you <laughs> it was funny I don't think any of us really expected perhaps uh, the defensive lineman to be the first pick but it makes it makes perfect sense I think the, the defensive line was clearly the the bottom foundation I think of the brick by brick approach uh, and suddenly the, if there's a brick missing they've moved quickly uh, to put another piece back into in, into the defensive line I was slightly disappointed at in that I was hoping some of the guys who are currently on the roster, uh, you know, may have been uh, fancy to, to step up and take that place. Uh, and, and picking there sort of all, almost implies that the guys they've got are, uh, are not necessarily at that elite level. So that, that was a little bit disappointing, but I think it was very good business. And of course, the, the, the trade down unlocked the next trade. So, uh, yeah, very, very solid piece. And I'm, I'm excited to see what, what Kinlaw can do. Yeah, so I'm in a similar mind there. In, in my opinion, I thought Lynch managed to get something out of nothing and give us the necessary mm. ammo to manoeuvre around the board later in the draft. Kinlaw was a surprise to me, although I did prefer Kinlaw over Derek Brown, who, who had obviously already gone uh, to the Panthers at pick nine. Um, so I was quite happy that we did take Kinlaw rather than Brown. Um, I had hoped we could have fleeced the likes of Miami, but we did what was necessary to be successful. Now... I saw a lot of people comparing Kinlaw with Buckner purely because he's come in to replace Buckner, which I think is unfair because most people mm. will compare him based off what Buckner was playing like last season rather mm. than what they were like as um, draftees. So I, I did a little stats look up and they're very similar in most things. So there's literally two, two inches between them height-wise, half an inch arm length, hands... I think it's about half an inch difference there and um, where Buckner has the uh, advantage with that. The big one for me is the weight difference. Kinlaw is 33 pounds heavier and two inches shorter. And you can see in all the highlights and any image you see of Kinlaw on online, the guy is an absolute tank. He is built like a brick outhouse. <laughs> now, hmm. The the other difference between the two of them is all the analysts, the experts who who get this wrong on a yearly basis, 
and the grade that they give them, they said Buckner would be rated as a, a pro bowler, a perennial all-pro prospect, whereas they've got Kinlaw down as a, a boomer bust prospect, but somebody they think will be starting from pretty much day one. So mm. he's either going to be a, a middle-of-the-road starter or he's going to be an absolute legend. Hopefully it's the latter and he's going to be an absolute legend. Yeah, I mean, Kindle was the highest-rated defensive lineman by PFF, if I'm remembering correctly. And on their um, their little big board that they put out on well, their little big board that doesn't make much sense, but their big board that they put out on the draft or before the draft weekend, he was the him and Brown were the only two guys that were touted as possible perennial Pro Bowlers on their scoring system. So he's been picked up by PFF based on what he's done at college football. And I think he was second last year on in college football on interior pressures. So they've done, you know, I trust these guys enough that they've, they've done enough homework on him that he's going to, I think he, he will be a good player for us. But look, look, I think you made a good point there, Lee. You know, you can't compare Kinlaw on Buckner's 2019 season. And you need to sort of look back to Buckner's rookie season. He got six sacks and 18 quarterback pressures and seven tackles for a loss. So this is going to be, to my mind, a much more team effort in that interior defensive line this season, whilst Kinlaw sort of hopefully comes in and, and does start to dominate. But you're going to be looking at a more, you know, like at the start of this season or the start of last season, we had that sort of solid eight, nine man rotation and we were causing all sorts of havoc, weren't we? And and that was guys like Blair coming in, Jones coming in, Solomon Thomas, Buckner, Armstead. And and I think that's going to be the case that we're going to have to rely on that, but for probably over a much longer sustained period in 2020. And I, I think that's uh, the way that it's going to be. There's going to be much more of it, if we can stay fit, a much heavier rotation all through the season. Yeah. It, it puts Kinlaw in a in a good position to succeed. The, he's going into a good unit. It's a it's a unit that's clearly well coached, uh, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, and and he can come in and maybe rotate in for someone like Armstead, so you can you can get more productivity out of those players yeah. by rotating. And that that for a, for a rookie defensive lineman, that's a really good position, I guess, to come into, where uh, you know you're rotated through. You're always fresh. You're not expected to carry necessarily a huge workload. Uh, so it puts him in a good position to succeed. I think he's going to be a good pick. Yeah, I, I do as well. Okay, so on to our next pick, which should have been at uh, number 31. However, Lynch used the fourth round we got from Tampa with our pick 176 and moved up to 25, just ahead of the Dolphins, and selected Brandon Ayuk of Arizona State. So the first question goes to Gareth. Does Brandon's name remind you of the noise Goofy makes? <laughs> Possibly slightly. Uh, I wasn't expecting that to be the first question. Uh, good pick, though, I think. Shanahan obviously has picked the guy that he wants. Uh, I think he's, he's even sort of indicated he, he would have picked Ayuk at, at 13 or 14, uh, which, which would have been a bit of a stir, I guess, given the, uh, given the other receivers who were, who were on the board at the time. Uh, but it's Shanahan knows exactly the guy that he wants. He, he looks like a bit of a monster. Uh, I'm excited to see him with uh, Debo, uh, Kittle, and Juice. Um, I think when you're when, when you're playing football, the the defense is supposed to batter the offense. 
Whereas I think with those guys, we could have a, an offense which just batters its way through, through defenses um, with with these guys blocking uh, or, or running. So I, I'm excited to see it as a as another piece. It's going to be interesting, I think, for the, uh, who which wide receivers are are going to make the roster. Um, but yeah, uh, excited to see him uh, and clearly a position of need. We we needed a guy like that, and I think we've done incredibly well to get the two guys we have out of the first round. When you've been a Super Bowl champion, it's obviously the uh, uh, sorry a Super Bowl <laughs> finalist. Uh, it's it's tough to in the in the draft that follows that, but I think we've done really well to pick up the two guys we have. Did we get the receiver we needed, Brian? I think so. It, Kyle Shanahan was absolutely chuffed to bits with it, wasn't he? And if you listen to some of the um, post shows and, and things like that that I, I've been listening to this week, a lot of people are comparing him to Emmanuel Sanders. So in the first 25 or the, in your first two picks in the top 25 of the first round of the draft, you've uh, essentially filled your two biggest needs and your biggest holes from what, what what's left from last season. And if you look at the trade that we've, that we've done, we've pulled the wool over the eyes of, 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 of again to do it because we've just given, you know, we, we've traded down for essentially a free pick and we've then given away that free pick to move back up to get the guy that they wanted. So it's just John Lynch being absolute savage in, in the draft, <laughs> basically. Um, and just basically pulling the pants down of some of the other GMs and, and having his way, basically. And if you look at the, sort of the MO of the team. This guy averages 10 yards per catch after the catch. He fits our offense perfectly. He's essentially a yak monster. It's like another Debo out there, but with a bigger wingspan. I think that's a lot of the reports are saying he's only, his whole wingspan is only like one inch or two inches shorter than like Calvin Johnson, but he's, he's, which is incredible when you think he's probably what, three or four inches smaller than him. Six inches. So, Six inches, yes, that's not, not too bad. So you, you think Buckner and Sanders come in for Kinlaw, or sorry, yeah, Buckner and Sanders have been replaced by Kinlaw and Ike. So he's an explosive player, he's a difference maker. He's got, he's going to have um, impacts probably on kick returns. So yeah, brilliant pick. Naji, CD Lamb was there. I know. Did, I know, yeah, did Lynch was. make the right call? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. Um, according to their board and what they wanted, yes, um, they had him. Um, I've just read an interview. Lynch, Lynch, they had him at the same, on the same level, pretty much. But I think Kyle preferred Ayuk uh, to to Lamb. I think I think that's that the, his wingspan is one inch shorter than Megatron. Is ridiculous. He's a foot a foot shorter and mm. he's only uh, an inch. It's um, and you can see if you if you put his tape on. Uh, some balls are thrown, and you think there's there's no way he's catching that, and then his arms are just um, you know as long as Inspector Gadget. So that's what Lynch is referring to. So I I love the pick. I think um, I think the Pac-12 is vastly underrated most of the time because of the SEC in college. Um, he played at Arizona State, which is not obviously not the flashiest of college, but it's it's tough to play against UCLA and, and USC and Oregon and. Um, the the, the pact is stacked, you know, with very good defenses. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited. I love the trade as well because I'm pretty sure it would have gone, it would have been gone um, at at 25. Uh, and and Lynch said there, I think um, in in that interview when Jalen Rigo went at 21, 
uh, I think I think everybody started thinking, oh, uh, I think it's time to for us to pick mm. wide receiver, and rightfully so. I mean, 13 wide receiver in the first two rounds in the draft is unheard of. I think it's the first time ever that so many wide receiver go. So if it wasn't if we weren't going to have him in there, then we wouldn't have him at all because obviously we didn't have a second round pick. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm super excited. Uh, he looks like a super nice guy as well. Um, and, yeah, yeah, as you say, Brian, he's kind of exactly like Debo, but slightly longer, slightly faster and, and taller. So gives us a bit of more of a target in the red zone as well. You know, all those jump ball and... and all, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I, f- I think we've just gone from what we had, uh, you know, with Buckner and Sanders and and go potentially better players in a, in a long run and they're going to cost obviously way cheaper. So, yeah, I think overall the, it's a pretty good first round and all we've really lost was our 176 uh, pick, which which I know we, we value fifth round pick and, and later round to, to get, you know, value like Greenlaw and and Fred Warner, but sometimes you just have to make the move to get the player you want. Right. So just to clarify the CD Lamb comment, yeah, it wasn't 25 uh, CD Lamb was available. It was at uh, 14, and it was at in reference. Yeah. yeah, and it was in reference to um, to Naji's comment on the preview show that if CD Lamb is available at 13, we must take him. So mm. that's that's what that reference was, not the fact that yeah, he's available I, I, at 25. I think Brian is is completely right saying we basically got the top two, you know, maybe for some people the top defensive line and one of the top five wide receivers out there. And then to our board, to to the Niners board, we got the two top guys. So if you can get two top guys, you're just going to have to do it. And if we had taken Ayuk at 14, uh, Kinlaw would have been gone. So the, Mm. the fact that we did it that way, and managed to get both of those guys without losing much capital at all. Um, uh, I know we had to trade it, but it's not. It wasn't super expensive. Yeah, no. uh, I, th- I think that's masterful. Yeah, it's also another receiver that in in the mold of Debo that it takes a little bit of that pressure off Jimmy. So you're not asking him to throw it deep, 30, mm-hmm. 40, 50 yards downfield, and go up and get a jump ball. This is someone again who can make plays after receiving the ball. So. And and are you going to trust much more than Kyle Shanahan to to scheme these guys open? Nobody. One hundred percent. Yeah, I think you know next year is going to be yak. You're going to see that every year. It's going to be yards after catch. Um, I think that's what we're going to be good at. And you know Kittle, Debo, um, you know most of all of those guys can do it. And are you all the running backs fits. as well? Yeah, yeah. Are you fits perfectly in there? And, and we got some undrafted people that just fit exactly that mold as well that's what Carl likes that's what he, he wants and that's what he gets mm. okay so on to day two we didn't have a pick and I'd imagine it was day two <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently so I, I would imagine the majority of us tried to catch up on some sleep after an exhausting Friday morning um, because I know I didn't go to bed until 10 past 5 Friday morning after staying up for the full first round I missed the last well, two picks for a I, I noticed that. that that was brave of you <laughs> so on to day three and the the pieces began moving around the board as the Grand Master Lynch set about playing a blinder. First off was the trade for Trent Williams with the Redskins receiving pick 156 in next year's three and this was followed unfortunately by the news that we'd all feared and that was the retirement of fan favourite Joe Staley. 
And then only moments later, we actually moved up in the fifth round and took Colton McKivitt's offensive tackle out of West Virginia with pick 153, which we acquired through sending Matt Breda to the Dolphins. So, Brian, without bursting into tears, can you sum up your feelings about the events in the fifth round? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the stainy timing was a bit weird for me. Um, I kind of wonder when the team were actually told he was retiring. And it was such a bittersweet 10, 15 minute period, wasn't it? It was like, oh, it wow. Was, we've, yeah. we've, uh, we've traded for a, a, a pro, or, you know, a all, all pro left tackle. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we traded for an offer left so, tackle. So apparently, Joe Seely had told uh, Lynch and Shanahan last Tuesday. Right. Okay. Yeah, a couple, couple so, of days before. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it, it was sort of like a oh wow, well this is this is great, this is good. You know, th- this guy, he's, he's a brilliant left tackle, and and then all of a sudden it's it's like oh no, and like I said earlier, you, potentially you could have gone for worse in round one, but they, they've obviously, he, he did seem to fit the mould as a 49er type and a 49er pick. Um, Williams is great. I th- you've got to think that he's possibly going to be expensive. So it's going to be interesting to see how that whole kind of scenario plays out. Um, you know, what's the scenario there? Is, is he inclined to sign cheaper if we win a Super Bowl or get back to the Super Bowl or make a deep run into the playoffs? Is he going to come in for a, a one-and-done type season and, and disappear again or get traded off? Or do we let him come in and then leave him free agency and try and pick up a compensation pick from that? Is that you know? So there's a whole sort of um, path that's going to sort of go with uh, Trent Williams here. So it's interesting to sort of follow that route as to, as to where they're going to go. And he's a complete athlete as well. I mean, you know, you're probably, dare I say it, upgrading at left tackle. Um, and if you look at the situation over the last, I think it's five, six, seven seasons in the NFL, Staley and Williams are the best two rated left tackles, bar none. So it's a huge addition. He's a no-nonsense tackle. He seems to have a chip on his shoulder. Like I say, the only thing I'd have concerns about is, is he going to be a long-term that obviously is going to remain to be seen and he has had a lot of injuries in the past so I am expecting to see Brunskill and School out there at some point this season um, but yeah it's it's all positive and, and Vernon Davis well mainly positive Vernon Davis said that Williams was the best O-lineman he's ever played with and I'm pretty sure that Kyle was his coach when he was drafted at Washington yeah that's correct yeah, yeah. so yeah it was like I say it was a probably a, a bittersweet sort of 15 minute period when at the start of the day um for the draft and yeah and potentially you've got your possible long-term replacement in McKivitz coming in and I think the most interesting thing about McKivitz I've seen at the minute is his old man with the he's a um he goes around with like the raccoon hats and stuff on doesn't yeah, he that's right yeah <laughs> looks like a real character I'm not sure if he's um What's the? I don't know whether he'll fit in a hundred percent into the California style of life, but so that'd be interesting to see. But I, I did enjoy his interview on KMBR uh, this week, where he basically said that he's he's a prick, um, and you know he carries himself off like that on the on the field. But he did did come across as a quite a nice guy actually. But yeah, it was a, it was a strange sort of uh, a strange period of time there at the start of day three. Yeah. 
Gareth, you've been quiet for a while. What do you think? Yeah, I think I suppose purely from a from a business point of view, uh, suddenly there's there's a, a glaring need in the roster, uh, and I think Lynch has managed to uh, to snap up a quality player. These these only guys, you know, they they rarely get to free agency the uh, the Pro Bowl level offensive lineman, and you usually have to trade an awful lot more than that uh, to get a to get a decent starter. Mm. So we've we've had him from an absolute steal. Uh, obviously, he hasn't played in a year, but I think uh, you know that could well be something that might work well. Since I think he's 31, 32, having a well, year no. at that stage of your career might might add another year to to the end of your career, as we've seen with with Joe when uh, when his body said, "Right, I've had enough." Um, hopefully, we can we can keep him for a good few years. Uh, we'll have to see on the contract, but obviously, with with Joe uh, retiring. I believe that should free up some of the cap space. So, you know, you've got to pay a left tackle. It doesn't matter who it is. It's going to yeah. be, if you want a quality starting left tackle, they're all going to be about the same sort of value. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, do you want one or not? And yeah, we clearly want one. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Jimmy will be quite happy to see that there's been a very quick move there to uh, to not only replace Joe immediately, but potentially something a little bit more long term. Or at least, you know, there's going to be some good O-line competition, I think, in if we get any sort of camp, uh, because there's a there's a good pool of people there, and it's a it's a good position to be in. Naji? Yeah, to me, left tackle is probably the most important uh, piece on the O-line. It's you know, it's Jimmy's blind side. Um, so getting a guy like Trent Williams is is, is massive, and you, you, we paid the third round last year to get Sanders, which you know gave us a push to get to the Super Bowl. I don't mind paying a third again to to make a push to go back, basically, because obviously, uh, you know, the, the trade will never happen if if Justin was back. Um, it's you, you know, he tells us um, he's done, his body can't can't take it anymore, and it's completely understandable playing at the high level he's played for 13 years. Um, so we make a move, and and it's a great move because, as you say, Gareth, the guy the guy has not played for. Almost a year and a half, and his body must be fresh. So he's he's going to be eager to to prove that he's still the best. He's going to be on a very very good team that love zone read and and, and outside zone runs, which is he excels at. Um, so yeah, um, in terms of contract, it, who knows what the cap's going to be next year, and we will be able to afford him. Um, maybe maybe he wants to say, and they'll take. A, a slightly smaller contract to stay with, you know, the the coach that drafted him in the first place. Um, no, super happy. Obviously, very sad about Joe. Um, I'm also extremely sad that we lost Matt Breeder. Um, he was a favorite of mine. Uh, it's just kind of he's, he fell out of favor last year, but um, that's why he cost us to go to go up and get Makivitz, which apparently they were going to draft regardless. Um, they just seem to the tackle were going a little bit uh, faster than than they hope and that's why that's why we we had to make the trade and i think that's what they were trying to do anyway yeah um so but he looks like a, he looks like a very competent guy um he's gonna have a lot of competition but here uh lee you told me he can play guard so yeah that's right um um uh, you know th- this move and, and drafting McKivitz and having Bruskin and Skull and, and everybody coming by and re-signing Garland. I think 
even if we lose Williams next year, we won't have much line problem for a while, and uh, and that's yeah. kind of a luxury which which you know is is pretty good to be in, and it, it must make Jimmy quite comfortable and and all of our running backs because obviously we we heavily uh, rely on on all of those. Uh, component of our game so yeah it, it was definitely a bittersweet moment um kind of saw it coming um you know he wasn't going to play forever unfortunately um mm. and it'll be sorely missed for sure but um you know is this body is a decision we all respect that and I'm, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to remind ourselves how great it was yeah okay so yeah, just to jump in on breeder just to say it, it wasn't a surprise was it um he wasn't trusted in the Super Bowl. Uh, he wasn't yeah. particularly trusted in the playoffs after his handling problems in the latter yeah. part of the season. Um, so yeah, I think we all kind of saw that one coming. Wish him well though. Hope he does well for Miami. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I have think... no no gripes with Miami. So hope he does well down there. And he's in the AFC, so hopefully he won't come back to haunt us anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think if anything, it might it, it it puts a bit more confidence into what uh, McKinnon is at and where he's at physically and what he yeah. can give us. Um, so I'm excited to see that because he'll probably be on the team now for sure. Uh, it's just you know I, I've got Breeders jersey. I just love the way he played. Oh, no. and, um, yeah, <laughs> um, and you know being a drafted rookie and and all that kind of chip on his shoulder kind of player. And he you know that 80 yard run against the Steelers last year was just nothing short but amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll, I'll miss him for sure. But yeah, it's business at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay, so on to the sixth round, and we swapped places with the Eagles and also shipped out Marquise Goodman. This moved us from 210 to 190, where we added tight end out of Georgia, Charlie Warner. Najee, what did you make of this pick, and what do you think it means for George Kittle? Uh, I think it means absolutely nothing uh, to George Kittle. Do you you not think it means he'll be released to catch the ball more, to be a receiver? No, I don't think so. I think Warner's slots straight where Toilolo was, basically. Mm. Uh, living Toilolo was a blocking tight end. Um, Kyle plays with two, three tight end on the pitch quite often. Um, I, f- I don't think it changes anything for George. Um, I really like the pick. At first, I was like, who? Um, so I, I, I dug up into him, and he was rated the best tight end uh, blocking in in the SEC and the whole college, so that's all. That's what we want, you know. As I said on the on the group, uh, DeAndre Swift was running behind this guy a lot, and DeAndre Swift went to the second round, and was probably uh, on many people the top running back in a in a in this draft. So, you know, running backs don't do it by themselves. They need they need blocking, and this guy was blocking for him. So I think I think it's great. Maybe it's an upgrade on on Toroto uh, on, and on Selec. Um, is he gonna turn out to be you know catching more ball than he has at, at Georgia? I, I hope so, because otherwise it it's pretty um, it just kind of telegraphs what we're doing. Right? If, he's, if he's in the game, then we're running. Even though that's not a problem because we've done that plenty of time. And people still couldn't stop us. Yeah. Um, I, I like the pick. We needed it again. This is it's the theme of this whole draft: is we filled what we needed, and and maybe even upgraded in some position. And I think that's one of them. Gareth, I, I know you don't particularly follow college players mm-hmm. or the college game. However, do you think adding a tight end was the right choice of this pick? 
I think there were, I would have liked to have seen potentially, uh, you know, a corner or a safety added through the draft. Um, but uh, but again, it's it's filling a, a player who who left in Toilolo, uh, and it's if it's if it's a guy that Shannon thinks can do the job for him, then then great. Clearly, there's a lot of trust there. I think in in Shanahan knowing what guys he wants, you know, potentially tight end as a position wasn't our most uh, pressing need, but it's clearly very important to the way Shanahan wants to play. Uh, that's with two tight ends and potentially somebody who can either cover Kittle so he can have a bit of a rest or, or you know, even if the worst happens and, he, and he's out for a game or two. Uh, the, the tight end position is important to us. I think it's an interesting pick, particularly in the context of who we took after uh, uh, that as well. So perhaps we'll come to that. Uh, but yeah, not not necessarily what I thought was the glaring need, but I think it's, uh, it, it's clearly the team picking certain players that they've feel they need to improve the squad and targeting those players. Um, so they, they've, they've gone out and done that. And, and hopefully, again, he'll, he'll do well in whatever capacity he's needed. Brian, were you expecting a tight end in the draft or did you think we'd wait and pick one up and, as an undrafted free agent? Uh, to be honest, I did think we'd go for a, a tight end at some point. And this guy, like, like Najee correctly says, he, he comes in, he's a winning blocker. He's probably going to come in. He's going to be a sort of 6-0 lineman. He's going to split out wide, possibly for a, f- a few catches. Hopefully, he's a run-blocking guy who's going to come in, catch the old pass, and he's probably going to be out there in those sort of twenty-one personnel schemes. And and when we do line up with three tight ends out there, Tololu's gone, signed a deal with the Giants. Selleck's retired, so again, he's a it's a it's a replacement. And I think at at this point in the draft, you're you're just looking for people who can come in and. and sort of fill the value for that pick and, and come in and, and make some kind of contribution. I think if you do get a starting cornerback there or or a safety or something, you're absolutely dancing in the street about it. But I think at, at this time it's you know it's important that you you try and, and stick to, to to who you are um and and make an important pick in terms of what's going to work for your scheme. And, yeah. and you're looking for someone who's going to come in and, and give a contribution. And if you look at the way that we play this guy should come in and, and contribute straight away. And for a six-round pick, that's you know it, you can't can't fault you or you can't argue with that, can you? No, you can't. On to our last pick of the draft, and this was pick two seventeen, where we selected wide receiver Jawan Jennings from Tennessee. Jawan was ranked seventieth best player on the PFF Big Draft Board. Gareth, did this represent a good value pick? I think so. Uh, not knowing much about him, I saw uh, uh, you know a couple of minutes of some uh, some footage from him at college. Uh, he's he's a big guy and he he seems to play quite nice, quite nasty. He uh, uh, not not in a uh, foul way, but uh, going up and winning the ball. He's he's quite a big guy. So uh, interesting interesting sort of pick, but somebody you can potentially see uh, becoming a, a red zone threat. I think more than a. Uh, you know, a high uh, yardage receiver. Um, but it, interesting to see, I, looking at him, you think, well, he's, he could easily play tight end as well. Uh, and people have, have mentioned that maybe Jalen Hurd might be uh, uh, sort of moving towards more of a tight end position. I think it's Shanahan showing that I don't think he cares about what players are, are called in what position. He wants to know what they can do uh, and where they can line up. So, yeah, in, interesting. Um it's made for a fairly packed wide receiver room, 
Um, uh, and I think there's there's potentially only only three or four of the names are, are set. So there's going to be some good competition there amongst the receivers. So again, another probably another smile on Jimmy G's face uh, to see another weapon at his disposal. Have you watched his highlights, Brian? And if you did, what did you think? I haven't, I must admit. Um, I, I've read one or two bits about him. Uh, apparently there's been... He has had issues in the past, but he's that big body wide receiver we've been on about for quite some time now. So he's the kind of guy that if he does see the field of action, he's probably someone who can go up and get a 50-50. He's slow based on his 40 time, but he's big, he's tough. He's probably the type of guy who'll go over the middle or be that big sort of slot type receiver. Um, And I think at this point of the draft, he's, you know, it's probably a little bit of a luxury pick. I know he's had issues in the past calling out his coaches and things like that. So it kind of, it was a, bit of a curveball in terms of what I've read about him but it's a seventh round pick at the end of the day it's hard you know I'm not going to get upset about it it's uh it is what it is really. Najee we we picked up our second wide receiver of the draft and as both Gareth and Brian have mentioned he's another player with massive yards after the catch stats and he's also quite a big lad as well well what are your thoughts on Jennings? Yeah, a bit surprised. Uh, I thought we might go linebacker or, or, or something at this at this stage to try and just get some depth. But um, again, we make the pick and just who's that? So uh, um, you know, put the tape on. Luckily, we have we have time to do that at the moment. So, uh, and I was really really surprised. It looks way better than than a, than a seven than a, excuse me a seventh round pick. Um, he's yeah, he's long, he's big, but. He's not so much of a of a stretch the field kind of guy. If you watch his uh, it, all of his all of his tape, he's caught a whole of ball on slants, and you know he's going to get walloped by the safety or linebacker, and he still goes and gets and makes the catch. Um, he's had a few dropping issues. His hands on the on the best, which is probably what he's dropped so far in the seventh. But um, I urge everybody to uh, either go on the group because I've posted a couple of his tapes against Georgia and against Florida, um, and he's molested them. And and these are two good defense. He, the guy ended up with, you know, four, five, six catches and hundred yards plus and and some touchdowns. So I don't know. I'm I kind of think. This is it for Dante Perez, unfortunately. I think um, it's direct competition for him, and it's going to be it's going to be difficult for him to make the to make the squad if 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 Pettis doesn't play way way better. And um, I like him. I'm a bit surprised, but yeah, it's, it's another yak guy. So that's what we need. So as far as value is concerned, in, in your surprise that he dropped to the seventh, um, as I mentioned uh, when I was asking Gareth, the PFF uh, big draft board had him rated at 70, which is the top end of the third round. So we've gotten a significantly better player in the seventh round than what all the stats suggests. So just Yeah, to me, watching the film, it, it looks like that. It looks like a early you know, third, fourth round kind of guy. Yeah. So interesting uh, interesting news just come out. So the new Matt, Bar- Matt Burrows has just uh, tweeted out that the new numbers for the uh, the draft picks. Yvonne Kinlaw's 99, which we expected because there was a, there was a pitcher going about showing that. Brandon Ayuk is 11. 
Colton McKivitz is 68, Charlie Warner, 89. And the surprising one is Joan Jennings is 81. Mm. So that's interesting. And I'd have used my breaking news jingle if I'd remembered to set the soundboard to record. <laughs> but unfortunately, I didn't. <laughs> okay, so that wraps up the draft. Um, after the draft, we went on to sign the following players as undrafted free agents. Quarterback Brock Rutter out of North Central. Running back Salvon Ahmed from Washington. Running back Jermichael Hasty from Baylor. Wide receiver Chris Fink from Notre Dame. And I think he's the only one out of all these undrafted free agents I've actually heard of. Tight end Chase <laughs> Harrell out of Arkansas or Arkansas. You can pronounce it both, way, both ways apparently. Fullback Justin, Justin, Josh Hawkett out of Fresno State. Defensive lineman Darian Daniels from Nebraska. Linebacker Jonas Griffiths from Indiana, Indiana State. Cornerback Demarcus Acey from Missouri. Safety Jared Maiden from Alabama. And safety Ronald Perkins from Missouri. Do any of those names ring a bell? Yeah, a couple. Free, free actually. Yeah. <laughs> None. Um, yeah, really, really like Chris Finker. Um, he's got a really cool uh, nickname, uh, the Slippery Fox. Just fits right into what you know Kai likes. The guy that just really hard to break down, really hard to tackle, and just gets yards after the catch. Playful onto them so that you'll be happy uh, we have him on the team. Lee. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't and he's, think played, so. he's played pretty well in in quite a bad offense this this season. Um, so I'm excited to see him, especially as an undrafted guy. Um, pretty sure most boards would have had him on the draft. So hopefully I want to prove that he deserved to be drafted. And then uh, Jamichael Hasty, uh, really really good running back out of Baylor. Um, the guy just works out all the time. Uh, Baylor that very good offense this season and. Um, it was it was a big part of that. Um, you know, if Denzel memes had the season he had, it's in part because of Haiti. So that's good. And then Jerry Maiden was just playing alongside Mike Kinney, Alabama, um, and he was not the most you know productive guy, but he was solid. Um, it, you know, if you play for Alabama and, and you're a starting safety, you're doing something right. Any other thoughts on the draft, guys? Uh, yeah, if you look at the, the difference in the cap, I think Butler and Sanders are now what set to earn 27 million between them this year on their new franchises, and mm. our two first round picks. So they're they're going to come in and earn something like seven between them. So, you know, the, it, it's just this roster management, isn't it? At some point, you have to make these crucial decisions of who you're going to move on, who you're going to let go, and then looking at the draft of replenishing and, and looking at where you can get that value for money again. And and if you look at what we have done in the draft, we obviously extremely confident in that roster and, and as Mike McGlinchey rightly said um, prior to the, the draft is you need to get six minutes better yeah yeah <laughs> you know we, we're not you know we're not going out to try and rebuild this roster completely um, I mean personally I still have one or two concerns in the secondary and I think it's going to be hard to try and and come up smelling of roses, picking up another UDFA who could potentially come in and, and contribute. Um, and I think that's potentially put, forced us into a bit of a corner 
in this coming off season, or not this coming off season, but you know, this time next year okay. when we've got the sort of three or four cornerbacks all out of contract. Um, so at some point, I think we're possibly going to need to address it. And I do kind of worry about what might happen if Mosley or Sherman go down. And if Witherspoon plays like he did and what saw him dropped, then we're, we're in trouble because then you'd look, you're, then you're counting on Verrett to come in and do something or Dante Johnson or whoever the next, hopefully, fantastic UDFA is. So that is like my only worry that I would say that we're still in at this moment in time. So we've kind of put ourselves in into that position. So we're, we're kind of banking on Sherman being great, Mosley being picked picking up where he left off um, and with a spoon playing to his his better side and, and, and obviously Williams in the slot again so you know we're, we're sort of all our eggs are in the, that basket again for this season that's the only thing that I would sort of say that maybe we possibly could have gone in a different direction yeah but then you can you can go back about you know six months ago and, and we were stuck for wide receiver and we just decided to make oh, a yeah, move yeah, and yeah. you know use draft yeah. capital to that there's you know, we could be in the same position in, in October, November and needed a player and then just, you know, trade a fourth round or a second round to get to get somebody to just give us that, you know, over the hump to get to the Super Bowl again. Yeah. And um, let's face it, you know, who but, even knows if there's going to be a 2021 college exactly. football season? So at yeah, this point, exactly. you know, if, if you're in, let's say, like you rightly say, October, November, and, and you get a trade where you're potentially giving up your first and possibly your third round pick, or first and second round pick to go and get a starting cornerback from whoever it might be, who's a Pro Bowl level cornerback. Are you going to do it based on the fact that there's no college, possibly no college football in 2021, to get you to the Super Bowl and then try and re-sign one or two of the other free agents that you've got yeah. in terms of making another stab at it in 2022, if that makes any sense. I'm kind of just sort of spitballing about what might potentially happen now, but you know, it, it's it, it's a possibility. <laughs> For sure. I yeah. think I think they're just feeling super confident that they can resign them. Not everybody, but mo- most of those people. Yeah. So and then Matt Barrows just talked about it on you know KNBR. So they, they just said they they feel confident they can resign, you know, Eman and and, and potentially Witherspoon and or Sherman and you know um, and then just draft corner next next year, which which is supposed to be a good corner draft. So okay, let, let's just win this Super Bowl and then we can. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the, the whole off-season look together was, has been excellent. They managed the salary cap. Fair enough, Butler and Sanders went, but they've been replaced. Staley's gone. He's been replaced. Uh, uh, and the guys who got shipped out, Breeder and uh, Goodwin, were Goodwin. clearly surplus. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that's six or seven mil off the sal- salary cap with those guys. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm for Breeder. I think you know Miami's he's got a chance there to go and compete to be the, the, you know, the top running back and, and be part of a, you know, potentially an exciting team in the next few years. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame to see him go, but I think he's gone to a good, uh, good place for him to, you know, carry on his career. Yeah, I agree. With that. So he, he, he might be a pro bowler yet and your shirt might be worth something. He's got five Super Bowl wings with the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> yeah great fantastic okay so thank you for joining me guys thank you pleasure yeah Always. okay and thank you also to the listeners and we will be back quite soon actually with a show dedicated to joe staley 
Until then, go Niners.